Good morning. Okay, we will go ahead and get started. We are grateful for uh, all of you being here today. I will be briefly here, Minister of Announcements, and um, we got a special service planned today, as, as I feel they all are, uh, but this morning, <laughs> exactly. This morning is, um, we're going to recognize our graduating seniors of the class of 2019, so I know we're grateful to have many of them and their, their family members here with us. Uh, a few announcements, actually this will be an announcement about what took place yesterday. Grateful for everyone who participated in the cornhole tournament that was a youth fundraiser. Um, appreciate all the support, all the teams that came out, all the work that went into preparing and the donations and so forth. Bennett and I finished third, so I know you wanted that update. We continue to improve, so watch out next year. But Bryson, thank you for the work there. It, it was really, not, not only was it, was it very competitive and and uh, professional, but, but it was a lot of fun as well. So, um, Mother's Day is fast approaching, May the 12th. We will not have evening services next Sunday, but uh, please join us as we will also recognize mothers next Sunday morning. Our next deacons meeting will be May the 19th at 5 o'clock. Conference will also be May 19th at 6. And um, there's other things going on later in the month. I, I would like for you to know that our May calendars are this color and they're in the welcome area. Please grab one so that you'll know what's going on through the month of May here at Glenlock. We are hosting the Heard County High School Baccalaureate on the 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. So it's going to be a busy month and a blessed month and we are grateful to have all of you worshiping with us. We are still promoting Youth Camp 2019 this summer. Uh, that's in July. If you'd like to sign up or find more information, uh, please see Bryson or myself. All right, our Deacon of the Week is uh, my Sunday school teacher, <laughs> Benji Alexander. Benji, would you come and uh, read Psalm 16? of David uh, proclaiming his trust in the Lord. So I'm reading from the New International um, Version. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promises that David wrote here that are still true to us today, that you stand ready to lead us, guide us, and support us in whatever struggles and trials we face in this world. But more importantly, you have provided a way for us for all of eternity to be in your presence. And so we find great joy and peace and comfort in the promises that you've given us through, through your word. Continue to speak to us today through Neil's message, Father. May we be receptive to what you have to show us, to teach us. And may we be obedient to respond to your calling in our life. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. If you will stand, we're going to begin worship this morning with singing um, Hallelujah, What a Savior. 
It's hymn number 311. take time to recognize our graduates um, and show them support and honor them for the accomplishment um, that they are about to soon complete. Yesterday I had the opportunity to visit some colleges with one of our graduates and we went back to my alma mater and when we were there I was like oh my gosh this is four years. I was like I've been out of college for four years like that just doesn't really seem right and then I really started to freak myself out when I realized that next year will be a decade since I was in these graduate shoes and graduated from high school. Um, but when I started to think about it, I thought about how much you learn and how much you change during this time of life um, and how you, everything's kind of in fours. You know, you're in high school for four years, you're in college for four years, and if it's five years, it's okay. It took me five years. And then, you know, you just go through these different chapters and different phases. And so I just quickly wanted to share with you graduates, you know, I kind of feel like I'm still y'all's age sometime, but I know I'm not. Um, but I love working with y'all and getting to be part of your lives. Um, and so on that idea of four, I thought of four things I really wanted to share. Um, and the first, and, and they all start with an F because I was trying to be like Pastor Neil. Um, the first one is family. Remember, because you always have four points and they generally start with the same letter. I thought you made an F. <laughs> no. No, these are, these are the only Fs I ever want you to listen to and, and enjoy, Okay. <laughs> Uh, no F's in college, not allowed. The first one is family, um, because graduates, uh, I just want you to remember as you walk across that stage this year um, and as you graduate, that that would not have ever happened without your family, um, without your parents' support or your grandparents' support or your aunts and uncles or even maybe your cousins. Um, so my first thing to you graduates is make sure you thank your family. Um, and then remember that your family is the one thing that will never go away. So as you go to college, you may go off and you're going to make new friends, we hope. But remember, your family has always got your back. Um, the second is your friends. You're going to learn real quick friends come and go. The people that are your friends in high school, you may not see again for nine years because out of the 350 that I graduated with, I may see 50 of those every few years. But with that, know that college is going to bring several new friends. Um, and my challenge to you with those friends is, is to learn about them. 
Take time to learn what their faith is. Take time to learn what their values are and what their morals are. Because I think God puts every single person in our life for a reason. And we're supposed to learn something for every, from every different person. And know that not every friend you encounter is going to believe what you believe. And that's okay. Um, learn what they believe. Respect what they believe. And if God's leading you to um, share your faith with them, don't be afraid to do that. But cherish every friendship you make um, and know that, you know, after four years of college, you may not see those friends again either, but God's going to bring other friends in your life when you get into your career. So don't take any friend for granted, um, those that you have a couple weeks left with at your school and those that you're going to make in college or military services or your place of business as you continue. Then the third one is your faith. Um, you know, this, you're, you're lucky to be a part of a church who as a church has strived very diligently to give you a firm faith um, foundation and to teach you of your faith. Um, but get ready, because college is the time that people leave their faith more than any other time. And so, of course, it would be our prayer that if you, don't, if you move off, that's fine. Find a church to continue to be firm in your faith. Um, find friends who are going to help you encourage your faith. Find some adults in the community you end up with who you can respect and look up to who can continue to grow you in your faith. Because as it's a time when your faith gets questioned the most, it's also a time where your faith's going to grow the most. And you learn more in your four years of college than ever before. And part of that comes through the trials. And part of that comes from professors telling you stuff that doesn't align with your faith. But it's a time for you to discover and for you to learn and for you to truly figure out for yourself what your faith is and why you believe what you believe. And the more your, test, the more your faith is tested, the stronger your faith is going to be. And the more your test is faith, uh, tested, the stronger a servant God's preparing you to be for him. And then the last one is um, your foundation. Don't forget what your foundation has been built upon as um, you have so many adventures and so many new explorations ahead of you, um, don't forget what you're standing firm upon. Um, and enjoy the fellowship with the new people who are about to come in your life. Enjoy the fellowship with the people that you're about to say goodbye to. Um, and remember that this church is always going to be a foundation for you. I can promise you that from my experience. I had moved my membership in the end of high school, and for my first two years of college, I was attending another church, and when I moved off to another um, part of the state for college, I didn't, you know, I, I developed, a, I invested in a church there and learned people, but through all those phases, through my senior year of high school, through my two years in Alabama, and through my two years in North Georgia, this church and the people in this church are the people who supported me through that. I knew every Sunday I could come home and see these faces that loved me. And I knew every Sunday I could come home and if I needed something, somebody in this church would provide it for me. And most importantly, I knew in those times where I didn't think I was going to be able to do it, and those times I wasn't prepared to go into a test, and those times I was nervous, and those times I was struggling with relationships and friends, I knew there were people in this church praying for me. So graduates, know that this church is your foundation. It's a foundation that's not going to shake. It's a foundation that can't be broken. It's a foundation that you can't destroy. Glenlock Baptist Church is here for you. Whatever path these next four years, next 10 years, next 20 years take you on, the world's in your hands now for you to choose what you want to do, where you're going to go, who you want to be. Just remember your foundation and know we're here to support you. I'm going to pray for our graduates as Bryson comes up. Bryson's going to recognize each one of our graduates, um, and we look forward to celebrating y'all. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you so much for a church who loves children, a church who loves youth, and a church that remembers its youth as they go out of these doors into a world that's so scary, God, a world that's so dark, a world that's going to challenge them and test them and at many times push them to their limits, God. Lord, these 13 graduates that we celebrate today, God, I just lift each and every one of them up to you, God. Lord, I know you know each one of them by name. And Lord, I know you know and have a plan for Asa and Karis and Ryan 
and um, Hayden and Ellie and Duncan and Will and Eli and Hadley and Marie God. And Lord, even the graduates that I may have failed to mention, Lord, and even the graduates that aren't here this morning, you have a plan for them as well, God. A plan that you um, promised them will always be in their favor if they're following your path in Jeremiah 29:11, God. And Lord, I pray Proverbs 4:13 over these students that they'll hold on to their instruction, they'll hold on to their faith that this church has diligently worked to establish within them, God. And Lord, I pray Philippians 4, 6 over them that, Lord, when things get tough and they're filled with worry, God, they'll remember to just not worry and be anxious, but to lift everything up to you in prayer, God, and you will hear them and you will answer their needs in your time and in your exact will, God. Lord, I also pray for these parents, Lord, who have found their identity in their children for 12 years, who have loved them and supported them, God. Lord, I know it's not easy to watch them move away or go go the different directions, um, Lord, and to become adults, God. So we pray that you also give these parents wisdom and guidance, Lord, um, and just embrace them in love and bless them for their diligence in raising godly children, God. Lord, we just love you and praise you, and we turn these graduates over to you, God, for you to have your way in their life. Lord, make your path for them the brightest path they see to follow, Lord. Guard their hearts from temptations that they can't withstand. And Lord, hide your word in their heart to be their compass in every decision they make. We love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I'm going to ask the graduates if they'd come up to the front row. Um, so if you're graduating 2019, come on up to the front row, just take you a seat. Um, we're so excited to be able to do this each and every year, um, just to see kids graduate and move on and, and continue to follow the Lord is our, is our hope. Um, so as this is how it's going to work, as I call out the graduates, I'm going to say a little bit about each one. And um, if you are in their family, a part of their family, not just parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, whoever it may be. Just go ahead and stand so you can be recognized as well for the, all that you've done to get these graduates to the point that they are in their lives now. Because um, I know it took more than my parents to get me through high school. It took all kinds of family and all kinds of friends. So um, as I call out their names, they'll come forward. Uh, Pastor Neil will give them uh, a gift from the church. And then uh, you can return to your seats after you've been called. Starting out is uh, someone named Asia, no, Asa Aubrey. Uh, Asa is gra graduating from Carrollton High School. Um, he's attending the University of Montevallo as a business major and to play baseball. Um, so if Asa's family would stand and be recognized, uh, Asa Aubrey. Next is Karis Askin. She's graduating from Central High School. Um, she's attending the University of West Georgia to major in early childhood education. Karis asking if her family would please stand. <laughs> Next is Ryan Booth. Ryan is graduating from Central High School. He plans to join the U.S. Army uh, boot camp at Fort Benning in June. Mr. Ryan Booth, if his family would stand. Dawson Kao, he'll be graduating from Heard County High School, plans to attend uh, to uh, join the U.S. Army boot camp in Houston, Texas for nursing and would like to one day become a veterinarian. Dawson Kao, his family would stand. <laughs> Ellie Googe, Ellie is graduating from Heard County High School, plans to major in nursing in college. Miss Ellie Googe, if her family would stand. Y'all can just stay standing if you want to. Y'all got a couple more coming, I guess. Uh, Duncan Googe. Duncan is also graduating from Heard County High School, plans to attend West Georgia Tech and major in radiology. Mr. Duncan Googe. Will Googe. 
Will is also graduating from Heard County High School. Um, Gupton Jones College for Funeral Services is where he will further his education, Mr. William Googe. Coy Hanna. Coy Hanna is graduating from Heard County High School. He, continue, he plans to continue to work at the Georgia Deer Farm. Mr. Coy Hanna. Hayden Harper. Hayden has graduated from Carrollton High School, uh, plans to attend the University of Georgia, majoring in economics and Spanish. If his family would please stand, Mr. Hayden Harper. Eli Lovern. Eli is graduating from Central High School, plans to attend Kennesaw State University to major in biochemical engineering. Mr. Eli Lovern, if his family would please stand. Ethan Morrison. Ethan is graduating from Carrollton High School. He plans to attend Chattahoochee Technical College and do welding. Mr. Ethan Morrison, if his family would please stand. Hadley Sanders. Hadley is graduating from Heard County High School, plans to attend Miami, Oklahoma A&M to rodeo and to prepare to be an auctioneer and cattleman. Mr. Hadley Sanders, if his family would please stand. We also are recognizing uh, Marie Thompson. She can't be with us this morning, but Marie is graduating from Central High School and plans to attend Emory University with a major in pre-med.
If you'll stand, we're going to sing in Christ alone together. with us this morning and allowing us to honor and glorify you, Lord, through worship and song. Lord, let us continue to worship you through this time of study. Open our minds and clear our hearts to hear your word clearly this morning. Lord, use Pastor Neil as a vessel to teach us exactly what we need to hear this morning, God. We love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children are dismissed for Children's Church. Amen. As our children leave the rest of us please turn to John chapter 15 we are now in the midst of a short series on the last discourse of Christ to his disciples last Sunday morning we were in John 14 and I said to myself earlier this week let's move into John 15 so I don't want to cut cut his um his discourse to his followers short by any means. So in John chapter 15, he transitions, commentators think, out of the upper room where he has been speaking to his disciples about what's upcoming to an olive grove which leads to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
So we talked a good deal about this as we approached Palm Sunday and the cross and the resurrection. So we are now following the resurrection, going back to what Jesus said, and through the light and the life of the resurrection, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're looking again at His words and how the Holy Spirit would bring to remind it, remembrance in the lives of His followers all that He said and drive the truths home to their hearts. So with that said, congratulations graduates. I know that you'll stay connected to your families because you will have to move from dorm to apartment, apartment to apartment, apartment to house. And having already experienced a couple of graduates, I know you're going to stay connected to your family <laughs> in at least those ways. But in all sincerity, we are all students and, and we are all will remain students until we ultimately graduate from life when he, he returns or calls us home. So let's think in terms of, of life as a disciple and a student of Christ in this life enrolled in the school of Christ. And let's hear what he teaches his disciples in John 14, John 15, John 16. I, I don't know how far we'll go. But today we're in John 15, so open your Bibles and let's read John 15, 1. What does it mean to abide in the life of Jesus? After all, He lives, and He lives in us. He unfolds some of what that means. John 15, 1, I am, He says, the true vine... And my father is the vine dresser. Some of the versions there say gardener or husbandman. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. That it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command to you, that you love one another. Father, we are grateful this morning for your love, for your words, for the work that you've done on our behalf through Christ, his atoning death, his powerful resurrection and the fact that through the power of the spirit we can truly say not only does Christ live but he still abides in us 
And so our prayer this morning is that your word would instruct us, that it would convict us, that it would change us, that it would give us a deeper sense of gratitude and love for you, that our worship and our service and our witness and all the fruit that we are to bear in character and in conduct would, would be changed to be increasingly more like Christ through our time in John 16, hearing again our Savior's words. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Okay, John chapter 15. There's so much here that Christ wants us to know about what it means to abide in His life. And so I'm just going to really introduce this passage, and I hope and pray that you will personally look back at it and take it in and obey it and on your own spend some time uh, praying that God will help us all to understand what it means, more of what it means. There's this metaphor in this passage that truly stands out, and that, of course, is this metaphor of the vine and the branches. And my thoughts are that Jesus in this passage is expounding on something he's already said in John chapter 14, verse 20. I'm in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Now, because you're like me, we have difficulty grasping and understanding and applying these truths that seem so abstract and beyond us. So Jesus, like a good teacher and master, goes into more explanation. So my goal is to talk about this metaphor so that we can understand a little bit more about abiding in Jesus. I'm going to venture, for today only, <laughs> from my usual practice of alliteration, uh, although Catherine did a great job with that, I thought, by the way. Uh, but anyway, I, th this is what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to talk about abiding in Jesus, and, and this is what I hope to communicate. First, what it means. Then, why it's crucial. Then, how it happens. And then, what the effect is. So, if you're following along, I have no alliteration but those are basically the points and the direction. And you already know that that's a lot to cover. So let's dive in. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? Please explain that. And I think the text obviously helps and informs. One thing we need to know is that John 15.1 is one of the great I am passages and statements in John's gospel. Now, we've gone into this in smaller groups in more detail, but the I am passages of John are crucial and important because they basically are Jesus saying, I am God. He's taking from God what God has already said in the book of Exodus. I am the great I am. I am who I am. So this passage tells us, as the other passages do, for example, I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus here is, is proclaiming to us clearly and powerfully that he is, he's not just the Son of God. He is God. He's the Word become flesh and dwelling among us. In Him was life, and the light was the light of, uh, of men. So, so this is no ordinary teacher and no average person. This is nothing less then very God of very God. The I am statement of, of John 15, 1, just the introduction, okay, should be enough to draw us in, okay? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. What does it mean to abide in Him? What's abiding in God? But I want to go ahead and get to the point. In John 15, 13, Jesus tells them, I am laying down my life for my friends. In John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. And then in 15, 15, he says, I have called you friends for everything I have heard from the Father I make known to you. 
He says these things at the end of this passage because I want to jump to the point that God called, for example, Abraham his friend. And God would speak to Moses in the book of Exodus, it says, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So guess what Pastor Neil's definition of abiding in Christ is going to be? It's going to be somehow related to that concept of friendship and communion and connection. We are living souls created by a relational God for relationships. And God says to us, abide in me. And I think, based on what Christ is saying, that this primarily, primarily means that he is calling us and inviting us into the great possibility of friendship with God. Love, communion, fellowship. It is to believe Jesus, not just believe in him, but to believe him. It is to walk with him in constant fellowship and trust. Just as branches abide in vines. Picture that analogy. Picture that, that, that metaphor that, that he's using. You've got stuff around your house that's doing this every day. <laughs> Take a walk out in the yard. Come to my house, I'll show you my knockout roses. You abide in the vine, so too we are connected to Jesus vitally. He is, then, our source of life, our source of meaning, our source of strength and significance, our source of identity. It means to rely upon Him completely and to rest in Him fully. He not only rescues us, but He sustains us. And as the song says, we truly need him every hour. This goes way beyond attending services on a regular basis. It goes into a 24-7, 365 koinonia relationship. It's a mind and heart centered and settled upon God in all places, times, and circumstances. I don't want to dwell on this too long, but, but what it means, and I'll, and I'll explain more about what it means as we go along, but I, I, I saw a little bit about what it means as I saw a, a public post. It was posted, I think, last Sunday by the neighbor that I had growing up. So I spent daily growing up time, you know, seeing her home and watching her home and drawn in a little bit by what she was saying, but my neighbor posted last Sunday on social media about how she was sitting, sitting on her front porch spending time with the Lord. And as she talks about her relationship to the Lord, I want to ask you a question. Do you know anything about what she's talking about? And let me just read her testimony. I didn't get her permission, but my thinking is if you put it out there for the public, it's open to public use. Let, the, let that be a warning and an encouragement, okay? But I want you to listen to what she says because to me, this is what it means to abide in Christ like a branch that abides in a life, in, in a vine and draws life and energy through it. She's talking about her home place where she grew up. She says, I was overwhelmingly loved in this place. So this morning my heart was full and I just started a conversation with God. I told him about the things I'd messed up. I told him I trusted him. I told him what I wanted. I told him I trusted him and that I knew that he would give me what I needed. I told him I needed him. I thanked him. I told him he brought me from a, a mighty long way. I told him I trusted him. And I'm thinking, you told him several times already you trusted him. It's part of what it means to abide. I told him I trusted him mind, body, and soul. We talked a long time. And I cried a little. And every now and then, 
I'd feel a gentle breeze, and I knew that God heard me. Let me tell you why my neighbor has this kind of relationship with God. When she went to church, and she heard the word of God, and she spent time with the people of God, and she came to know God, not just as Savior and Master, but to know God as friend. So this passage asks us, do you know God in this way? Do you converse with Him? Do you repent to Him? Do you express love and trust to Him? Simply put, I think that's a real practical way for us to understand a bit of what Jesus means by what it means to abide in Him. It is a mind and heart centered and settled upon God. And I know by nature we drift from this. We all, like sheep, wander astray. And the reason you come to places like this this morning is to have someone take your face and guide it back to Christ as the center of it all. That He is the vine and we are the branches. So that's a bit of what it is. That's just a bit of what it is. But I think that helps, all right? Now now I promise to tell you why it's crucial. It's not just an option. It is the only option. It's not just the best option. It's the only life. Because to be apart from Christ is to be dead. It's to be dead. No matter what you're doing or what you're... And I'm just speaking what the Bible speaks. We are dead in sin apart from Christ. And he pictures this in the metaphor of the vine and the branches. For example, in 15.4. He says, I don't care who you are or what you're doing. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No person can have spiritual life and vitality and all the things I'm going to talk about... By itself, you need help, you need saving, you need rescuing. He says it clearly again in verse 5, apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Oh, you can do some stuff. But nothing of eternal significance and value. And you know what? Greek scholars and preachers have battled and, and, and you know what that word nothing means in the Greek? It means nothing. I don't know how to communicate it any clearer to myself and to you. And here we are venturing on our own little journeys apart from Him. And and it accomplishes absolutely nothing. I hear Jesus saying to you and me as students in this school of life, don't waste your life. This is a gift from God. He created you. He made you. He's offering life. Apart from Him, you can't do anything. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So I'm trying to drive home why it's crucial. Look at verse 6. It's even worse than nothing. If you do not remain in me, if you don't abide in me, you are thrown away into the fire. My thoughts went to Judas, who was right there the whole time, Hearing his words, but because of his greed and his selfishness and his fallenness and allowing Satan to enter into him, he was thrown away into the fire. So not only is it a matter of meaning, but it's also an issue of destiny. It's why we are here, verse 15.8. This is all to my Father's glory. You and I were created for God and His pleasure and His glory. And then if that were not enough, that He gives these warnings, He gives the greatest motive of all as to why this is crucial and important. And it's in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. Not only that, but I chose you and appointed you. The Word is calling out to you today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I am moved by self-sacrifice because it's so rare in a self-preservation, self-centered 
culture and world. Just a brief example, at UNC Charlotte this past week, another one of the shootings, a student rushes the shooter, sacrificing himself for the good and benefit of others. There is no greater act than that. There is no greater love than self-giving, self-sacrifice. We understand that on a human level, but on a spiritual level, to the nth degree, to infinity, God comes down in Christ and lays down His life for you and me to rescue us and to save us and to give us this life and this fellowship with Him that I'm talking about as far as abiding in friendship and walking with God. What is it? Walking with God in friendship. Why is it crucial? Because it relates to the origin, the meaning, and the destiny of life, and because it is the only natural response to God's amazing love for us in Christ. That's why it's crucial. How does it happen? Around my home, there are a few things that I, once a year, cut back pretty brutally. In fact, I understand the process naturally, and I understand it to a bit spiritually in John 15. But when I take those knockout roses, and I take those trees growing in front of my house, and I clip them back, (laughs) I say, this ain't right. (laughs) You shouldn't treat a plant this way. (laughs) This is brutal. This is horrible. This is painful. But you know what? It doesn't take long. And that process does its natural work, and those roots grow deeper. And everything that you cut back and everything that you prune begins to flourish and thrive in ways that it never would have before. Trust the process because the process is in the hands of a good, sovereign, heavenly Father. How does it happen? Well, the Father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. Fruitless branches represent professing believers who demonstrate that their connection to Jesus is bogus, is superficial. Judas would be an example of that. Fruitful branches represent genuine believers, and the vine dresser ensures increased fruitfulness by removing the dead branches, cutting them off, which at times is painful because it means loss. Loss is, is very difficult for us in every sense, physically, emotionally, financially, all those. But he's removing the undesired parts from the fruitful ones for greater growth. I like to remember what Michelangelo said centuries ago when he was asked how he created the statue of David out of marble. Sounds like an oversimplification. And I don't know if he really said it or not, but it sounds really good. I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. God is pruning from us everything that is not good and that is not Christ. His ultimate goal is to conform us to the image of Christ because He loves us and that is the best and most beautiful goal that we could have. And He is, rest assured, if you are abiding in Him, He is going to prune and discipline you for your growth and your benefit. So how does that happen, Pastor Neil? I've got some words for you. Trust. Hear, because this is all done through the work of the Word. Pray. Jesus talks a lot in this text about asking whatever you wish. Obey. If you keep my commands, he says, if you keep my commands, you abide in my love, you abide in me. So so then love, because that is the command. And then if you do all these things, you're you're proving to be His disciples. Obedience doesn't earn it, but obedience marks it. Trust. Hear. Notice how often he talked about hearing the word. 
He said, the word which I spoke to you makes you clean. That word is logos, which means his teaching in entirety. What Jesus taught will clean you. It will save you and it will purify you. So you best hear it and believe it and obey it and love it and put it into practice. But then he says, if you have my words abiding in you, these are the, the remata. That's the Greek word, which doesn't make sense to me or anybody. But I throw it in there for, to sound smart. It's important that I just be a little bit smarter. Than, I'm just joking. These are the individual utterances which make up his teaching. You ever notice how if you spend a lot of time with somebody, if you have a friendship or a relationship, the things that they say, the way that they say it, that starts to sink into your mind and soul. It becomes a part of you. I could talk about my grandmother and all her sayings, and they are still with me even though she's gone to heaven. His teaching, his words into your heart, that's central to the process of sanctification. I got to move on, but let me give you this again. How does it, how does it happen, Pastor Neil? Trust, hear, pray, obey, and love. I don't have time to do it. You do some of this work yourself. Work through this and see how it all progresses. That's how abiding begins to happen in your life. And it is a seasonal work and it is a continual work. God knows what to do for what season in your life and exactly what you mean. Simply put, it may mean opening your Bible and reading it and then putting into practice. It's that simple. You want to know how to pray more? Determine in your calendar a time in which you can pray and then during that time actually pray. I had some texts written out, and, and I said to myself, okay, read these things and then tell them to do it. Read these things and then you do it, preacher. 1 Thessalonians 5, James 4, Matthew 25, Psalm 15. Then I said, no, don't do that because it's everything that's in here. How does it happen? And then last of all, because I want to close... What are the results? What, what are the effects? What it is, why it's important, how it happens, and then what the results are. Jesus lines all this out for us. Fruit that remains. So this isn't a waste. You lose things you can't keep to gain things that you can't lose. We are searching folks for things that we can't lose. Our little ball team went to a nursing home a, a, a week or two ago, and, and I had a conversation with a man who was in his late 80s. And I tried to follow him as, as he talked about his life story, and then at, at one point he said, and, and, and I, was a, I was an all-state forward in basketball. And they can't take that away from me. <laughs> and he said it again, I was an all-state forward in basketball, and they can't take that away from me. Then I says, when was that? He says, I think the 1950s. And he says, does that sound right? <laughs> I says, I don't know. He doesn't know when, but he knows what. <laughs> See, he had lost his wife. He had lost his family. He had lost his health. He had lost his home. Everything was stripped away. But man, he was clinging to something that nobody could take away from him. You know what the one thing people can't take away from you? Fruit that remains. What is that talking about? Spiritual character and spiritual witness. Because in the Bible, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, that's the character development that continues to progress that no one can remove. And then conversions that come from the ministry and the seeds that you sow. Notice how Jesus progressed. Fruit, more fruit to much fruit. Multiplication through the branches into the lives of others. God feeding you and you feeding others. You see it in the feeding of the 5,000. He breaks bread, he gives it to the 12, and it multiplies and feeds the multitudes, but he does it, the vine does, through the branches. That's his life in us. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. 
We are feeding others the bread of life. Fruit that remains. Also, fullness of joy. He's giving us the pathway to joy through the process of abiding. He says clearly, I'm telling you all of this so that my joy, which I would think would be the greatest joy of all, to be one with God and and, and the Son of God, my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. So he's working against you for your joy. And he's working for you for your joy. So don't buy the devil's lies and deception that there's something else out there to abide in that will give you more joy. There's not. He's the true vine. And then last of all, favor from the Father. What does it mean when he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will give it to you? Well, the Father knows what's good for us. And we enjoy a relationship in which he as a father gives us his favor and love. But if we're doing all this, then it changes what we ask our Father for. When believers have Jesus' words in them, when believers have Jesus' words in them, listen to this. They will make scripturally informed requests, which God will answer. So the Bible helps you ask for the right things, and it says that God will give you those good right things. Father, help me forgive this person. That's a good thing. God will help you do that. Father, help me share my faith with this person. God, help me change this and, and, and overcome this besetting sin, whatever that may be. Those are prayers that you ask for in the Word, and those are prayers that God promises to grant us. So what are the results? Fruit that remains, fullness of joy, and favor from the Father. Now, we failed to do this. It's what it means to be sinners. Jesus the Son did this perfectly, and He the vine still remains, listen, life-giving and forgiving. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in Thee. Let the water and the blood from the wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. I'm going to close with this. This week, a man that I look up to and have been fed by named Warren Wearsby died at the age of 89. He's a household name among Bible preachers and teachers. In fact, my Sunday school teacher this morning, Benji Alexander, had no idea that Warren Wearsby passed away this week, and he immediately started talking about what Warren Wearsby taught. (laughs) My grandfather, one of the greatest things he did for me was pass on his books. I have in my hand a copy of Warren Wearsby's expository outlines of the whole New Testament. I'm one of thousands of pastors and teachers who have benefited from his life's work. I'm just using him as an example that he is dead and gone and has no idea that I exist or ever existed. But he has fruit that remains that's being passed on to others. And in 1962, in Covington, Kentucky, he was writing about John 15. And in 2019, (laughs) a guy named Neil Aubrey read it. And now he's going to read it to others. And I'm going to close with this. To abide in Christ does not mean to keep ourselves saved. It means to live in His Word and pray, obey His commandments, and keep our lives clean through His Word. The Christian who fails to abide in Christ becomes like a useless branch. The salt loses its taste and is good for nothing. 1 Corinthians 3 teaches that our works will be tested by fire. The Christian who fails to use the gifts and opportunities God gives him will lose them. But thanks be to God that the Christian who does use his or her gifts and opportunities for the sake of the kingdom will never, ever lose those things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the fruit you allow us to to receive and to give.
but most of all that Jesus, the suffering servant, became himself the source of eternal life and abundant life and the resurrection and the life. May each of us hear these words and say to ourselves, I must continue to abide in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.